Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Yes, and welcome to another episode of Sminty. I'm not really sure why I needed to do all that, but you know, it felt right. It felt right. <laughs> yeah. And because we have a special guest, special topic for today, uh, we want to go ahead and timestamp this because who knows, you may be listening to this in 2028 or 2050 or, oh my God, Ooh. is our podcast going to be existing in those times? I'm really scared. <laughs> uh, but for today, it is January 13th. 2022. It is a, what day is this? Thursday, one of our yes. recording days. Uh, and <laughs> if sense. you're wondering, future peoples, we are stuck in pandemic life. Yes. Was that too much information? No, just the right amount. <laughs> <laughs> but today is a great day. And you can tell I'm a little giddy and excited because we are back with our friend and friend of the show and activist, Melody Bray. Hello. I can't wait for this to be in the Smithsonian, guys. When, when they're listening to this 45 years from now, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Let's drop some gems. Yes. <laughs> I think we can. I think we can do it. <laughs> you know, that fear is that they're going to take this audio and be like, what was wrong with them? It'll be like, that's about right. It'll be one of those, like, you know, you go through, this was the impact of COVID. Look how loose their minds were. <laughs> Look at these sad ladies. Oh, no. no, we're not sad. Again, I'm excited and pumped and ready because you are here. Um, and just in case the listeners are new or have not listened to the previous episodes with you uh, guesting, can you introduce yourself for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back on. I always love hanging out with you ladies. Um, my name is Melody Bray. I live here in Atlanta, Georgia. We do not call it Hotlanta, um, just for the record, just Atlanta. <laughs> um, and in our recent times, we've talked a lot about um, kind of my activist work with a group called the Georgia 55 Project that was set on reelecting uh, our current president, Biden and Kamala into office here in Georgia. And we feel like we did a pretty good job at that. Um, and essentially it's it just get out the vote organization. Um, so being able to do that, make sure people felt empowered and knowledgeable about how to vote, where to vote and why to vote. Um, and that's what we did. Yeah. And you were also part of the Grassroots Project in Atlanta, which worked for um, those unhoused or having uh, housing issues or problems yeah, I worked, as well. worked with a group called City Roots ATL. Um, and we have, which I'm sure many of your listeners, regardless of where they are, are dealing with affordable housing issues in their areas as well. Um, and that's no different here in Atlanta. Wages are not increasing, but rent and mortgage definitely is. Um, and so our grassroots group, City Roots ATL, was working with our city on how to think a little more comprehensively of how do we approach the housing issue. Housing is connected to so many things, crime, healthcare. It, it, it really reaches into so many different areas of our societal life. Um, so trying to attack it in a way that maintains the human dignity of each person who lives in our city. Right. Um, and we were so glad that you did come on to the show because you were able to kind of give us an in-depth look about uh, some of the problems and some of the issues, as well as possible solutions that could happen for housing situations, as well as the voting rights situation, which was a mess. 
and is a mess. <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I, I, had to, I had to correct myself. But with that, can you tell us what you've been up to recently? Because I'm very excited. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> just go, just jump right in. Yeah. Uh, well, I've decided that moving from in the streets to trying to be slightly more legitimate, um, I have announced my campaign to run for a state Senate District 38 here in Georgia. So super excited about that and having an opportunity to represent a district that has not been represented in recent memory. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt like that was a great power flex, like a good move. I'm intimidated, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. I love that because like me and her, when I was talking to her about coming back on the show, she was like, oh, that was a, that was a really uh, sly flex. And I was like, who are you talking to flexing? And you're like, running for like Senate, state here's Senate. Thing, like, who's who's like, what? I, here's the thing though. I think that one of the things I learned working with Georgia 55 Project was that getting into the rooms of people who are in positions of power, you quickly realize that these are human beings who happen to have responsibility that's public. <laughs> you know, it's, we have the same conversations about, you know, regular everyday life, and then we get to a policy discussion. But they're, they're people, they're humans. And it removed a level of this like grand mystique that I had, which just being able to volunteer and hear that made me feel a lot more comfortable deciding to go ahead and run because I too am a human um, who has regular, <laughs> who deals in regular life. So if they can do it, so can I. And so can either of you for, as a matter of fact. Ooh. I mean, I haven't done a quick background nervous check giggle. on either of you to see oh, nervous how, that, giggle. Nervous how giggle. that would play in. But recent time has let us know that whatever's in your background really doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. I've actually told this story before how I wanted to run for office when I was in college. And then I got interviewed for an unrelated thing by the FBI for a friend who was trying to get security clearance. And I was listening to the questions they were asking about her. And I was like, I will never be able to pass this. I will never be elected. And now years <laughs> have passed. And I'm like, yeah, I think I oh, could. totally, totally <laughs> fair game. It could even be like a, a an added bonus for you. <laughs> Ooh, she's mysterious. Yeah. Um, so... I'm curious, uh, you've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but can you talk about the process of deciding to run and maybe some of the biggest surprises and biggest struggles and also the things that have been the most rewarding, kind of the whole the whole shebang, hmm. if you will? Yeah. I mean, my process of deciding to run, if you're running, that means everyone in your, in your orbit is also running. Um, so the first part of the process was talking to uh, my mom, who her and I are very close, she's a major part of my support system, um, and my closest friends, and asking them honestly, like, do you think this is something I feel compelled to do this? Do you think this is something that I should do? And if so, will you help me? Because um, no one individual can run and be successful. Um, so that that was a huge part of the process. Um, and it was encouraging just to be able to hear other people's vision for my life and things that they've seen that maybe I either thought was unnoticed or um, didn't even really pay attention to um, and that we were all on the same page. So that was a huge part of the process. Um, and then there's the like nitty gritty part of sitting down with other people who have done it like bef well before me and ask them 
what does it actually entail? How much time is this going to take? Um, here in Georgia, our legislature are part-time. The senators make $17,000 a year. So how am I going to pay my bills while I do this? Um, kind of answering those practical questions, though, that was a big thing too. But in the end, when I realized that the state senator for my district has been in the, that seat for 22 years, she has been largely absent for the past two years. She has not lodged a single vote, um, including the big vote of uh, SB202 here in Georgia. That was our anti-voting rights bill. Didn't even show up for it. Um, those types of things made it like, <laughs> if not now, when? And if not for for these reasons, if you if these aren't good enough reasons, then running just isn't for me. Um, so it was just the right time for me. Yeah, and speaking of that, and and kind of as we introduced you and, and um, issues that are important to you, um, you're definitely someone who's seen a lot of changes in our community and in the policies that we have in our community. Um, so what are some things that you think are important for voters to pay attention to when it comes to issues and platforms? Sure. One of the things that I think all of us should probably be paying attention to right now is education. Um, it would seem that the far-right conservatives have decided that this is going to be kind of the pivot issue uh, for the midterms that are coming up this year. And because of that, that's why you're going to notice a a bunch of kind of crazy stuff popping off in your school board meetings, which whoever paid attention to school, first of all, did you even know they had school board meetings? Um, <laughs> what, what they would talk about at school board meetings? And you certainly wouldn't go to one. Times have changed. They now have public comment that lasts for hours in some school board meetings. People are getting escorted out by the police. Um, you know, you've got coordinated signs and banners and T-shirts. And that's where all this like uh, critical race theory discussion is coming up. A lot of close whether you should or should not close schools due to COVID is coming up. Um, and even here in Georgia, which is happening as well in other states, is just like we've done redistricting uh, as far as for congressional districts and state districts, also your cities and your school boards do their redistricting as well. And so how those school boards are going to draw their lines to make certain school board players more or less powerful, that's something you got to pay attention to because that's directly going to affect the resources that are going to your teachers, how code is treated in your schools, all the things that are going to affect our children moving forward. I haven't even thought of that point, to be honest. There's so many bigger things in my head that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is on the local level. That's going to really affect yeah. a lot of the people, a lot of the parents, a lot of the teachers, a lot of all of that. And we really should be paying attention to what is happening. And yeah, honestly, I've seen the drama of it without really thinking mm -hmm. of the implications uh, behind that. What are some of the other things that when it comes to, especially with like the local elections, because we know it's, the, it's happening. We know where I'm hearing all of like campaigning happening, I know for Georgia, but several other states are talking about, okay, we have to make these lower level changes. What are some of the other things that we should look for as we know that it is doing a trickle up effect almost, I guess. Sure. Is that the sure, word I want to use? That's a uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a word. Uh, but like, what should we be paying attention to in that level as it goes upwards to our federal level? 
Yeah. So another one that um, is kind of an undercard race are going to be your judges and your DAs. Um, we focused a lot on that in 2020 uh, with all of all of the kind of let's get out into the streets and raise our voices. And now that's we're not doing that anymore. Uh, and because of that, my personal fear is that suddenly the spotlight on our criminal justice system will also just not really be at the forefront any longer. And yet still, judges and your district attorneys are constantly making decisions that literally change the direction and life of, of people and communities. But these are voted on positions. Um, so paying attention to as best you can what your DA is doing I know it might be a little bit of drudgery, but watching the nightly news, the local nightly news, they generally are going to, they, they, they're not good at ch- covering judges, but DAs, that's sexy enough for them to actually talk <laughs> about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Any of those higher profile cases. Yeah, nothing sexier than a district attorney, am I right? <laughs> if you didn't so say it, the, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've watched Suits. Um, so, so yeah, that focusing on those things and not allowing all the work that we did in the streets in 2020 to just fall by the wayside. We've still got work to do there. Yeah. And and as you're talking about that, we, we also need to pay attention to like law enforcement and sheriffs, which are also elected officials. Because we just had a big incident in which our council members allowed for a large piece of property to be used uh, in a way that not a lot of us are happy about when it comes to law enforcement being granted uh, public. Actually, I think it's private property, isn't it? That happened. Uh, that that is it. That was a public piece of property, but they was were it? using okay. some private dollars okay. um, to develop that piece of that right. piece of land. And in furtherance, there's actually here in Georgia, and I, I mean, I, I don't think it takes a crystal ball to see that this would likely be replicated in other jurisdictions. But um, it was discussed yesterday that they're looking at uh, allowing for individuals to donate directly to law enforcement agencies, so like your local PD's office, and that you get a state tax credit or write-off for it. So it would act like you're donating to a nonprofit to incentivize increasing funding for... So it's essentially, it's the anti-defund the police legislation. (laughs) Um, Wow. It's like up-fund the police or increase fund of the police, which... It's, it's clear that, I mean, it is a fact that crime is rising. Um, it depends on what category of crime we're talking about, but it is a fact that crime is rising and something does have to be done about it. Is that the solution? In my opinion, no. But um, because of that hard fact, we can definitely see that far right will be pushing for increase in funding for policing. And again, we need to be paying attention to who has control of those dollars and where those dollars are going to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And something else that you mentioned earlier is that this kind of redrawing of districts, right? Mm -hmm. And that has happened recently in Georgia and our state, Georgia isn't the only state doing it. And I know it's been in the news and discussed a lot, but can you talk about why tactics like this are important for us to pay attention to and what we can do to 
call it out as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we ha- we discussed this on a previous episode. It was when I was <laughs> making sure that people filled out their census, which happens every 10 years. It's U.S. constitutionally mandated. And the reason that you fill out a census is so that we know how many voters need to go in each of their respective districts, whether that's congressional or uh, like I was talking about school board um, just now. So Based on these new census numbers, they now need to redraw districts so that generally the same amount of voters are in every district. We don't have one that has 15, 20 percent more voters than the district right next door. Um, So nationwide, we just went through a redistricting process. What also happens is that it's done at the state level, um, which means essentially whoever has the majority whether it's Republican or Democrat, whoever has the majority at the state level are the ones who control where those lines land. So for instance, here in Georgia, we had some redrawing where we had sitting legislatures, people who have been duly elected through a fair and open election voting process, who were drawn out of their own districts while they are trying to represent the district. Essentially, those folks would be in the minority party, and the majority party was trying to change their numbers. Not just in Georgia, definitely as a cop and across the board. Um, And this sets us up for midterm elections that are going to be happening at the end of this year. It creates a lot of open seats. So I would encourage you to see, have your districts changed? in your, uh, wherever you live. Um, and if they have changed that, what happens then is what's called an open seat where the incumbent is no longer running in that seat. And now it's a bunch of people kind of throwing their hat in the ring to take over that open seat. So check and see if any of your districts have changed because you might not be represented by who you think you've been represented by. Yeah. I had to go through at the beginning (laughs) with you like, wait, Am I okay? Let's let's oh okay. yeah. Like I definitely <laughs> had to checklist with you about that because we were trying to figure that one out. Um, as in fact, it's such a big deal, uh, and it has caused such uh, kind of a worrisome ruckus. But with that, as well as the new bill that you just talked you talked about recently that was signed into what you refer to as the anti voting rights bill, and I agree with that state sentiment. Uh, uh, that just got signed. We had a whole thing happen with the arrest of another representative, uh, Cannon, because she was trying to be present during the Mm -hmm. signing, which was a whole hmm, debacle, I would say. Um, (laughs) And because it was such a big deal and because Georgia does represent such a big uh, conversation, President Biden and uh, Vice President Harris came through Georgia the other day to talk about and bring awareness about voting rights uh, as well as the voting rights amendment and whether or not anything is going to change. And again, as we know, our governor did decide to sign away some of those concerns uh, and almost kind of backing the idea that the votes from the recent elections were not correct. He didn't say it, but there was definitely an implication. (laughs) Why do you think that this conversation needs to keep going? What is Mm -hmm. the impact Uh, that we're going to see with that bill specifically that has been signed uh, by Kemp? And what do we need to do as the voters to make sure that that we do get a fair uh, chance to vote? Yeah. One thing I first off just want to encourage everyone to do, uh, one of our state senators, Reverend Raphael Warnock, he uh, had a speech on the floor of the Senate when they were just looking to pass the budget. If you Google Warnock voting rights, 
um, or voting rights Senate uh, Senate speech, it'll pop up. And he speaks, it's maybe 15, 17 minutes, amazingly powerful speech on why the John Lewis Voting Rights Act nationally is something that we need to do everything we can to take up. Because in the end, you can care about criminal justice reform, you can care about education, you can care about policing, all these things that are important. But if you do not have access to the ballot box, how do you actually ensure that any of those other things get done? So SB 202 here in Georgia is an example of the same type of stuff that's going on in other places like Arizona, for instance. It is a prototype bill. And it in many ways has made it more difficult and more cumbersome to be able to vote. Things like a, for instance, um, which I think is, is illustrative, absentee ballot boxes, which are new, admittedly, because of COVID. Uh, but the purpose of it was so that working class people, people with nine to five jobs would be able to still cast their ballot easily. Well, now here in Georgia, absentee ballot boxes are inside the elections commission office that closes at five o'clock. You could, why do we need a box? Just go in and drop (laughs) it off. What are we even talking about? Right? So to me, the idea of like, that begs the question why you changed the law. If either you're incompetent, and you're sol- improperly solving a problem. You've stated a problem and you've come up with a solution that does not actually solve that problem. Or the problem you're stating is not the problem you're actually seeking to solve. Okay. Second example would be um, ID requirement for voting. It is across the board, the majority of Americans agree that there should be some sort of ID requirement for voting. In SB202, what they did is they just, you're, all you need is a photocopy of your license to be submitted with your absentee ballot. How secure is a photocopy Mm -hmm. of a license? (laughs) I can literally go to my mom's wallet on my little desktop printer, print off 14 of those if I wanted to. Whereas you've got places like Oregon or Colorado that are using or either using or looking at using um, Scantron and PIN systems like we do at banks who actually care about security. (laughs) <laughs> it's in your brain. Unless I ask my mom, tell me what your pin is. She And if I did, she'd be like, what do you need my pin for? <laughs> you, you have to actually use that Scantron and pin in your number so that that can be associated with your vote. So again, it, the statement is we're trying to make it more secure. We're trying to make sure that our elections are, uh, are wrought with fraud, rampant fraud. And the way that you've decided to solve that is photocopied licenses. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to step down off my off <laughs> my soapbox for just a moment. The point of fact is that all this push towards the Voting Rights Act being done at the federal level is because we have the Supreme Court removed any sort of oversight, federal oversight over state elections. And once that removal occurred, these are the cascading effects that come from that. So a VRA would allow us to actually look at things like what Georgia, what Arizona, um, what Alabama are doing, and make sure that they're still allowing for fair and free elections and having everyone have access to vote. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's an important point and a good point that you make that it's sort of similar to the abortion thing we're seeing happening, where this is a 
prototype, but other places are looking and watching at what Georgia is doing. Um, Correct. Yeah. So it's very important. Very, very important. So you've already touched on some very great practical advice for people who might be thinking about running for their local elections. Um, uh, any other advice you might have, whether for people running or even people want to support or provide some kind of assistance in that way? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you can support me at breakthroughgasenate.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, so uh, being being the candidate, um, I can say that, like I said at the very beginning, no candidate is able to run on their own. They need a support system around them. So if you're looking at yourself and you're like, I would never in a million years decide that I was going to run for office. That doesn't mean that you can't be involved in a campaign. It doesn't mean that you can't host a house party for a candidate that you're jazzed about and you want other people to know about. doesn't mean you can't donate go to their website and donate, repost your, on your Instagram and your Facebook, raise awareness for them. All of those things are incredibly important to the candidate to get people into positions to make the changes that we need to push society forward. So you don't have to run, but I would encourage you to please identify folks who are running and actively support them. Give them money repost, host parties, talk about them to your friends and make sure that if they're going to put their neck on the line, they're doing it with your support behind them. Yeah, I I think that's, that's such a... I was telling Samantha the other day, I know that people wouldn't use it this way, but I wish that not only did we have a national holiday for elections, like we had those days Which off. Which is in the VRA. Yes. That's, that's one of the proposals in the I Voting Rights Act. It. I want it, but I also wish there was a second day where you just like got to sit down and think about <laughs> like research and do all this stuff. <laughs> so that I think would that's be nice. Wouldn't it? Because I think it's so valuable what you're saying is to have somebody because I know for a lot of people, I'm very fortunate and I had the time to sit because we had a recent mm-hmm. election in Atlanta and there was a lot on that ballot. And we've talked before about how a lot of the language is often confusing. Sometimes the information is hard to track down. So I think that's so valuable if you can just talk to people who maybe don't have the time or could really use some like, you know, if you think this is important, then I really like this person. You check out this person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying we should all be involved and be responsible, educated voters. But I think that a part of that can be for people of us who do have the time and and can research these things to, you know, spread that information. You're like, yes, I think you really be into this person. Um, I'm really excited about this person. Yeah, and my hope as well coming out of kind of the political landscape change of 2020 is that we, at America, just we're, we're not as politically involved and inclined as other countries um, <laughs> around the world. And it felt like in the last two years, we're kind of pivoting a little bit toward that. So to to do it together, sharing information so that we're not all in a silo looking things up on our own um, and sharing those types of resources are incredible. And even, Annie, what you're saying about it being a national holiday reminded me in, it's either Australia or New Zealand that it 
it's not just that it's a national holiday. It's also you get fined if you don't vote. (laughs) So it's a national (laughs) holiday. Everybody's in line. And even if you're, if, even if you want to abstain, like, I don't like any of these people, you still have to go to the ballot box and check abstain. Like I'm not voting for any of you losers, which is fine. That's your, that's your right. Um, And sometimes that's your obligation, I would say. But, you know, I would love to get to the point where as a country, we put such an emphasis on the importance of voting that you were in the 90, 90 percentages of people showing up to vote. That'd be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And not just for like the federal election but correct all right. the elections <laughs> right yeah because definitely annie and i had the moment during our local election of like i thought i was prepared and then i went and i'm like <laughs> i didn't know what these were i had no idea i didn't know what to do with well, that so i just stared at it for a minute <laughs> i had a moment of panic because i went and found the sample ballot and i researched it and i was like okay i got it and then i went in and there was a sample ballot like on the bulletin board and it was completely different than the ballot i oh, saw online no. but no it was told the, the actual ballot was the one I saw online. But okay. that one on the bulletin board made me panic. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn around, get out of here. <laughs> Immediately go home. And try again. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. It's done. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's going to be an interesting conversation as what is given access to once again, because yeah, part of the voting rights stuff is that conversation of who has accessibility and who is allowed mm-hmm. and given that time. Because some of the things that were happening with this new bill that signed into in Georgia seems very ableist. And yet there's no way mm-hmm. to actually combat that in the manner that they are listening and just say, no, 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 that's not what you think. They have opportunities. Yeah, they may have to mm-hmm. wait three hours, but it's there. You know, it's kind of this la- layer of, hmm, where, who is this, again, who is this for? What are we doing? And even knowing that it almost takes a law degree to understand some of the policies they're yeah. trying to enact and to understand <laughs> what they're doing. Because I literally have to follow my law friends to dissect and tell me what this law is saying, even though it sounds great in its positive law-centric wording, <laughs> but in actuality, it's really, really bad, and it's going to be hard to overturn if this goes through. Like, those levels of, like, conversation of, this shouldn't be this difficult for us to understand what I'm voting for. I shouldn't be tricked into <laughs> trying to figure out, do I agree with this or dis- disagree? Did I just give money away or take money away? I, I- I don't understand, uh, which I feel like happens too often. And yeah, of course, we would love to research it. But I will tell you, even when I was researching things, because, you know, when we had the original, just recently, our election happened, and then we had to do runoff. And in that runoff, it was still a lot more policies. And I was like, wait, I thought it was just these three things. Now I have eight things, and I didn't know about it. But even me trying to Google those beforehand, I still couldn't get a clear answer of what it was. It mm-hmm. just said, yes, this, this is going to be on the ballot. Good luck. So one thing I would, I would suggest, and this, this might actually be more helpful for folks that are listening who live in metro areas and a little more difficult in rural areas, depending on where you are, but your local parties, so your count, fill in the county name Dems. Um, so for, you know, Cobb County Dems, Fulton County Dems, whoever it is, they generally were going to have your monthly meetings Elected officials do show up to these because these are the same arms that help them fundraise and do house parties and all that kind of stuff. When things are on the ballot, they talk about it and they're standing right in front of you. So, Samantha, you can say, 
I heard what you just said, but that, that actually didn't make sense. Like, can you re-explain that? Or someone down the street told me that I'm actually, you know, I thought it was what you said, but that I'm wrong. Can you, can you dig a little deeper? And it's one of the few opportunities that we have as citizens to be standing in the same room as an elected official and ask them a question without a time, a timer on a public comment or something like that. So check your local uh, Democratic parties, your young Dems, um, those groups as well. And they do forums on this stuff as it comes up. Um, and it's, you know, you're able to actually ask questions. And if you can't make it in person, they usually have it on Facebook Live or on YouTube as well. That's some more great advice. Yep. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Any important issue on your mind? Anything like that? So we're coming up on midterms. Um, I know we're only in January um, and midterm elections will be in November. And this is, you know, every two years, we, you've got kind of the big one on every four and then two, every year in between, two years in between, you're voting on um, your, your legislators. And here in Georgia, we're voting on our um, governor races and secretary of state and all of those other things. Start paying attention now because we're in the primaries right now. This is the time when people are having to say anything and everything in order to make sure that their base shows up. And if you're not paying attention right now, you're not going to notice when they pivot to the middle um, come June, July, August. Uh, and for me, when I notice a hard pivot, it makes me wonder how on it, like, are you lying now or were you lying then? You know, but when you have the people that in the primaries said the same thing that they're saying in the general, that's points for me that you have a, a North Star that you're moving toward in some way, shape or form. So start paying attention now. Resist the, the, the urge to delay until a couple weeks before the election in November, um, even if that's just, you know, scroll on the headlines in your local newspaper uh, and seeing what's come out um, each Sunday, you know. Take smaller moments now so you're not waiting and doing three hours of Googling the night before. Can we do that? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Is that possible? Is it yes, that was accusatory for a reason. Head on, Samantha. It's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, as always, Melody, for being here and for the great advice. We're so excited to talk to you and so excited to see what happens and to check in with you later. Thank you. Yes. Where can our listeners find you and how can they support you? Absolutely. So you can check out my website at brayforgasenate.com. Um, there is a donate link there if you feel so inclined. Uh, my financial disclosures are coming up on January 31st, and that's when you show just how strong you are. And also my policy priorities are there. So if you want to know what I'm about, it's at brayforgasenate.com. And that's Bray, B-R-A-Y. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yes. I'm someone who's always like making spelling more difficult than it needs to be. So for anyone out there like me, yes, go check that out, listeners. Again, thank you so much, Melody, for being here. Thank you, guys. Yes, we look forward to 
to speaking again soon. And listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You or on Twitter at Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 